Sometimes some guests explore the sermon text for the week and the stories, the conversations uh, throughout the week that lead up to the sermons that are preached here. This is Pastor Brian. And this is Pastor Perry. This week, uh, we continue in the Old Testament. We're looking at the reign of King Josiah um, in 2 Kings chapter 22. Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign, and he reigned for 31 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jedadah, daughter of Adiah of Boskath, you know, hear me get to exercise my pronunciation here. He did what was right in the sight of the Lord and walked in all the ways of his father David. He did not turn aside to the right or to the left. In the 18th year of King Josiah, the king sent Shaphan, son of Azaliah, son of Meshulam, the secretary, to the house of the Lord, saying, Go up to the high priest Hilkiah and have him count the entire sum of the money that has been brought into the house of the Lord, which the keepers of the threshold have collected from the people. Let it be given into the hand of the workers who have the oversight of the house of the Lord. Let them give it to the workers who are at the house of the Lord, repairing the house, that is, to the carpenters, to the builders, to the masons, and let them use it to buy timber and quarried stone to repair the house." But no account shall be asked of them for the money that is delivered into their hands, for they deal honestly. The high priest Hilkiah said to Shaphan the secretary, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. When Hilkiah gave the book to Shaphan, he read it. Then Shaphan the secretary came to the king and reported to the king, Your servants have emptied out the money that was found in the house, and they have delivered it into the hands of the workers who have oversight of the house of the Lord. Shaphan the secretary informed the king, The priest Hilkiah has given the book to me. Shaphan then read it aloud to the king. Then we jump ahead here to chapter 23, verses 1 through 3. The king has heard what's in the reading at this point. Uh, If you read in 2 Kings, we don't get to actually hear what it is, but uh, historians believe it was some portion of the book of Deuteronomy. And so this is the king's response, response upon hearing it. Then the king directed that all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem should be gathered to him. The king went up to the house of the Lord, and with him went all the people of Judah, all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the priests, the prophets, and all the people, both small and great. And he read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant that had been found in the house of the Lord. The king stood by the pillar and made a covenant before the Lord to follow the Lord, keeping his commandments, his decrees, and his statutes with all his heart and all his soul, to perform the words of this covenant that were written in this book. All the people joined in the covenant. And then the gospel text uh, for this week is from Luke chapter 24, verses 30 through 32. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, blessed it and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, Were not our hearts burning within us while he was talking to us on the road, while he was opening the scriptures to us? So a couple of things I'm thinking about as I'm preparing for this this coming weekend. Um, The people are 
kind of on the tail end of being ruled by the Assyrians. Again, they've been enslaved. Some of them have been taken away. Some of them have been allowed to return. Um, they're kind of on the tail end of the reign of the Assyrians. And as the Assyrians' power is uh, dwindling, and with that diminishing of the Assyrian influence, um, there's, there's room here to reintroduce, if you will, some of these practices that were once upon a time the foundation of the people's relationship with God. And I find it interesting that, that this starts because Josiah is doing a renovation of the temple. They're uh, rebuilding it so to make it um, newer, updated, so that it is uh, standing strong. And while they're doing this repairs, it seems in the back corner they find this scroll. And they pull out the scroll and they start reading it. And it's like, wow, was this what we're supposed to be doing? I think we're missing the mark. Yeah. And, and then we get Josiah's speech at the end. Yeah, he's he has heard what it says. He's really troubled by it. Uh, the text in between says where, where we heard read today, he, he tears his clothes and he's just kind of horrified at how far astray they've gone. Um, as I hear this story, it just reminds me of different instances. Well, in a uh, common theme in stories of finding an old document or an old letter to the family or something, you know, you're cleaning out your house and you come across something that has been forgotten, or maybe it's a part of your story or your family story that you never knew about uh, because it was lost over the course of generations. And then it's introduced and it kind of gives new insight into your uh, history and, and where you've come from and what's shaped the way that your family, the, the culture within your own family, maybe uh, is you get a little bit of insight with that here. And so in some sense, you have a similar thing happening here in this text too, where something old is dug up, found, if you will, and, and brought to light and changes uh, the culture or reminds them. I, I don't know if I can go as far as to say it changes it because it doesn't last uh, very long. I mean, after after King Josiah dies, the people go back to their ways quickly. We were kind of talking about this before we started recording, but uh, his commitment there. Right. The, the commitment to doing this uh, is, is there at first. And then, um, again, as, as time goes on, you fall back into those old practices or you forget some of the story. And a new, new ruler comes and um, things change. So for, for me, one of the stories that hits me out of this text about Josiah and discovering something to fill in a piece of your past or your history. Back in 1999, when my father uh, in June was diagnosed with a brain tumor, went through surgery, chemo, radiation, and that year was really up in the air. It was a struggle for me. It was hard because dad and I were farming together and the crop was late and it was wet and the dryer wasn't working and we were still combining. And we're at Thanksgiving Eve service. And the pastor says, I want people to stand up and share with, with me what you're thankful for. And I'm sitting in the pew and I have my arms crossed and I'm thinking, not a darn thing. And that's how I told that story for a long time. And then I think it was a year ago or maybe two years ago, I was looking through some old papers in my uh, safe 
and I ran across a newsletter from the Southeastern Minnesota Synod that my pastor at that time had written about that Thanksgiving Eve service. And what I'd forgotten about that service was that my dad had also stood up, or had stood up that night. I didn't stand up to say anything, but my dad stood up and shared about how thankful he was for God's healing that he had brought to him that year and God's faithfulness and the blessing of so many people being around him. And for a long time, I'd shared only half of that story and remembering and reading about that and finding it uh, in the safe, which um, made me really think about, again, what it is that we forget about on our stories and how having a more complete vision of that story changes changes what we remember and what that story actually means. Yeah. I think to have this story seated in the larger story of this series of Kings too and the failures, I mean, this is what we were kind of chuckling about before we started is King Josiah gets up and says essentially, oh, now I know what we were supposed to be doing and I commit, I make a covenant that today uh, it's this resolve, we will do better. Um, and they do for a time, but then it falls off again. And that often goes the course with, with things. I'm thinking of New Year's resolutions, I guess, is a primary example where New Year comes around and, oh, now I suddenly remember all the things I wanted to get done last year that I didn't. And I resolve that I will get it done. I will accomplish it this year. And then by the end of January, you know, I'm saying, what did I resolve to do now? Um, but I think that depends on how you look at this too. Um, okay, yes, Josiah is making a covenant. The people are making a covenant. We've got a long history here of the people not upholding their part of the covenant. But what is picked up, what is heard again in this reading of the, the Deuteronomy covenant, uh, right at the start of the, the Ten Commandments, which we looked at earlier this year, God makes a covenant. I will be your God. You shall be my people. And that comes before any of the Ten Commandments are given. It comes before any commitment on the people's part uh, or their ability to uphold those Ten Commandments or not to uphold them, as, as we've seen very clearly here, that they are a very broken people, as we are to this day, incapable of uh, constantly keeping up our end of the deal. But what they get to hear that these people haven't for a long time is, I will be your God you will be my people. Uh, and that comes before the promise of them promising back, I'm going to get something done or not get it done or follow this right. And that is very different than any of these foreign gods that they've been under the influence under um, the, the Assyrians, the Babylonians, the Persians, all of their gods work on a, if you do these things, then you will get something from this God. Um, the Lord, the God of Israel is much different in that it's not a contingent um, well, we see this most clearly in Jesus Christ. Um, it's not a, if you do this, then I will be your God. Yeah, all of uh, God's promises, going back, even starting with Abraham, work that way. I, I will be your God, and here's what I am promising for you. And God really doesn't put a whole lot of claim or stock on what Abraham promises or covenants with him. It's typically one-sided, God being the grantor of the covenant and of the promises. 
I will be your God. And for them to hear that again now, I believe is really important as they've gone through a time of struggle and questioning who they are and where their where their place is in the world and where their place is in God's heart. Yeah, and I think that's a, a question, an issue that uh, every one of us still wrestles with to this day. Who am I in this world? What's my place? Uh, what's my part? And and we try and fill that. You know, we don't think of idols in the sense of like a little statue that we're bowing down to, um, but we've got all kinds of idols in our lives, places that we're looking for something to give us identity. You know, um, if I do, if I raise my kids this way, then I'll be this kind of parent. Or if I uh, stick to my exercise routine, then I'll show people like how how um, well how fit I am and. Uh, <laughs> How well disciplined yeah, you are. Yeah, there, there you go. Um, and so we kind of look to put our identity into all of these different things, and that's what an idol is, um, versus having this message of, um, I'm your God, I give you this identity, and the identity is you're my people, and nothing's going to be able to, to take that away from you. I, I give you an identity that is not dependent on what you do or don't do or, or accomplish. And to have that promise is huge. We need that that confidence in God, and that confidence that God won't uh, take us, that God won't forget us, and that God is always there, walking with us through all of our struggles, all of our journeys. And the people of Israel had been and were facing a lot of tough journeys ahead. So one question that I'm thinking of with this is, what's something in your family? Have you ever had one of those moments where you were going through uh, somebody's house or helping move a family member and you came across an item like that and share a little bit about that story? Or if you haven't had something like that, um, what's maybe something that you hope future generations will find, whether it's a letter or something that's uh, meaningful in your family that, that's been handed down from one generation to another? And what makes that meaningful or what's the identity-making piece of that, that that comes with it that you hope future generations of your family will find or learn about? The next question I, I want to ask kind of as a follow-up to that, but to tie it uh, a little more to where we're going here, what about your faith do you hope that your kids or your friends, uh, the generations that come after you, what about the faith experience that you've had would you want to be passed on to the generations that come after you? Another question that I'm thinking of uh, that kind of ties again back to, we were talking about Josiah makes this covenant, like today we will get it right from here on out, or, you know, he's at least hoping to, and we, we kind of chuckled at that. But I guess the reality of my experience and reading the experience of the ancient Israelites, my question to go along with that is, uh, when's a time that you committed to something and it fell through? Um, and maybe it was a big commitment, but... I'm not sure how the second part of this question that I want to ask, did you experience God continuing to be faithful to you, even though you weren't faithful to whatever it was that you committed to? 
a good question. And it's interesting for me as I'm going through and throwing out a whole bunch of things in this cleaning or purging process that I'm in and thinking nobody's going to care about this, chuck it or get rid of this. And even finding things that I no longer remember their story behind them. I know that I kept it for a sentimental reason, but I don't remember the story anymore. Mm, yeah. Yeah, my mom keeps a lot of stuff, and I told her that. I said, you, you need to write a little book or a letter and remind me why this was important, because I know it was important to you, and so, therefore, it's important to me, but... <laughs> A lot of other things come into my life too, so help me remember this.